What else do I got here? Are you trying to kill me? Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. Admit it. You've thought about starting your own company. You know you know what you're talking about, but how do you do it? How do you get those first customers? How do you even start a business? Don't worry, Bob and I are here to give you all the answers you need to get started. This is part one. I'm not going to say anything in French. That's Bob's job. This is part one of at least three, probably four episodes where we take you through all the lessons we learned and mistakes we made so that you can have a little bit smoother ride. On to the episode. And today's theme is uh, starting. And what are some initial starting aspects? Um, and uh, I was thinking of we could explore vision, mission, charter, things like that. Uh, like, what are you trying to be? What is your target? What's your why would be another way of saying it. Uh, and then I wanted to get into some budgetary items and things like that, like laying the, the early groundwork for enabling yourself to do this stuff. So sort of some topical items around starting. If anyone has any, anyone who's listening in wants to drop a, you know, something in chat about another topic around starting up. Uh, we're going to get to branding the next episode just as a teaser the next episode next week is going to be talking about branding uh, we think that's a deep and broad topic so we're not going to touch on branding today we're going to touch on it next week and really do a deep dive into branding i want to hear josh's branding story because i he has some nuance there that i'm excited to learn from so the, so that's the kickoff josh so why don't you what are your yeah. thoughts starting well, <clears throat> well i want to make sure that our french listeners know that we will be getting the Bob Galen label in French for part one, two, three, and if there's four. Uh, we've only ever made it to a four-parter, and Bob really likes to lean in. To well, and I'll, and I'll do it. This is, this is part, eh. <laughs> As you can tell, Bob's very fluent. He's in French. Conversational speaker. Eh, not at all. Like, eh, deux, trois, catch. <laughs> yeah. Like hairball. <laughs> so this yeah, is that's exactly part, how they teach it yeah uh, that's what i thought i have man i i have a i have a frosty smooth french voice don't i yes <laughs> exactly that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking this is one of those things that given today's market and where things have gone and some of the massive layoffs anyone out there that might have been thinking about doing this your plans might have been accelerated not by your choice. So I think this is a timely set of episodes for, for folks because like Bob, I do meet and talk to a lot of people who were rolling it around. And I was that guy, uh, let's see, six years ago. Well, yeah, more than six years ago. And Bob was rightfully always on my case to do something with it, but I never did. And I, as many of you might have recently, got forced into it and I didn't have the planning that Bob is talking about that is like accurate and things that you should do. And it caused a, it caused some challenges, you know? So this is very important for those of you that have that rolling around in your head that we can, we could talk through the things that worked and didn't worked. Probably the stuff that didn't work will be most effective, but really hope this enables folks to, have that one other bit of courage that helps you take that giant leap. 
the one thing that wasn't on my initial like starting um and and you inspired me josh to think about it you know i would suggest that everyone does this even if you don't want to become independent hmm. like i think this is it's almost like having a contingency plan like like a, a you know you have a fire plan at home you have home insurance you have car insurance why not have career insurance to some degree like plan b or plan c and you don't have to do i'm i'm not suggesting you have to do a lot in this area but it, it might be worthwhile to write some things down so even along these episodes so i want to set the stage i don't think this is just for people who immediately want to become entrepreneurs i think there's a lot of stuff here that'll make you a better employee uh, oh, it'll yeah. make you a better job hunter it'll make you more confident in your own it'll give you insights into your own abilities so so that, i just want to lay that i just want to lay that out there all right One well, of the let, first... well let's stop Go talking ahead. about it like let's do it like let's actually create some value for our listeners here well i think the first thing is is part of it is your why what are you trying to do right what's your why uh and running for money i i don't think i'm, I'm doing this to make more money is the right even if you can even if you immediately see that i think the why like looking in the mirror and why do i want to do this um and and tapping into yourself tapping into your passion tapping into your strengths uh it would be similar to looking at a job there's a job you know sort of job description posted and i you know i suggest people look at look at the job description and look inside look in the mirror and say you know is this a good connection for me look at the culture and then look at your culture alignment and see if it's a good thing so i think i think that you know start doing the why jotting down your why why am i doing it uh, am I trying to do good in the world? Is it something that I'm passionate? I think alignment to your passion, alignment to your joy is really crucial uh, in the beginning. Uh, and it, it might take a little reflection time. There's what you think about that. You may pivot a few times. I think Josh has pivoted a few times. But it's it's figuring out your why. Why do I want to do it? Uh, sort of what are, what are my service offerings? Uh, in the Agile space, do I want to be a coach? Do I want to be a fractional leader? Do I want to be a trainer? Uh, do I want to do combinations of both of those things? Uh, I also think a strength analysis that during this early period of kicking it off, you probably want to talk. I think Josh, you and I've talked about this, not in a way of you asking me, what am I good at? Like, Bob, what do you think I'm good at? But we've done, we've had these reflective, not necessarily on the Metacast, but privately talking about your strengths. So I guess what I'm saying is assess yourself and lean into your strengths. Now, and then a lot of people lack self-awareness. So what they think is a strength may not be. The last thing you want to do is is start a fist as leading into a, a non-strength. So you you really want to get a sense on that. Josh, react to some of that stuff. One of the things that I really liked was the job description. And Perhaps that's a thing that you should be able to write. You should be able to write a job description for your role, which might end up uh -huh. being that vision or mission for, for your company or whatever, or however you structure it. But to gain that clarity, and I struggled to get there right out of the gate and get it right. I wasn't totally sure. And in classic Josh style, I jumped in and started doing stuff and then adjusted as I went and as I learned and as I did things, 
I quickly understood, yeah, I really enjoy this, or I really don't want to do that again. And there were some surprises. Like I started off saying that I'm not doing training, but it got to the point where I needed money. So I did training and I didn't hate it like I thought I would. You know, I went in like, oh, this is going to be the worst week, but I actually enjoyed it and found it more fulfilling than I expected. So there's there's bits that you'll discover along the way, but I do think the the more clear you can get without getting into paralysis of right. this is who I am and this is what I want to try and do, that's going to give you a capability to know where to go to find those gigs and to know who to talk to. Otherwise you're just like blasting everywhere and, and, and you present yourself as, you know, one of those things that's uh what's the saying, the, the master of nothing, you know, whatever the, there's a saying like I can do everything, but I can't do anything really well. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that, I want to, I want to, that's the danger. I want to amplify what you said. It's, it's almost you corrected me, Josh, in some mm-hmm. way that I'm, you know, I was making it sound like this is an upfront activity. We, we set our direction and then we go. I actually think it is more experimental. One of the things I want to explain what you were talking about is you can experiment in your current job. So, for example, if you're a development manager, uh, let's say you're a leader in your current job, then find opportunities to do training right? Maybe there's an internal training opportunity, put a little class together or something. So start experimenting with different types of delivery mechanisms and then see if you like it. Uh, see if you get good feedback. And you're also start building your portfolio of, of things to provide. Um, but I would, I would say before you, again, the context for this series is you're in a current job and you want to become independent. So what are you actively doing strategically to to create that ramp, that off-ramp? So experiment with your job. I as I'm thinking about it now, I was I was lucky to work with people that I could experiment. Coach leaders. If you're thinking about coaching, I don't care if you have a coaching certification or not. Uh, I mean, yes, read and try to spruce it up, but find someone you can coach, uh, be a mentor. Uh, actively be a mentor and yes you're helping someone but you're also like figuring out hey am i good at this and do i like like doing it um yeah that's very similar to what we've talked about we've done a handful of episodes on folks trying to move into scrum master roles and not knowing how to navigate that and and we've said you don't have to have a scrum master label to start like doing scrum master stuff. You can do it at home. You can do it at work. You can do it however you want to, but you can, you can get the practice in and then be able to use that experience to go get the thing that you want. And this is the same thing. Don't wait for someone to hand you an opportunity. If you wait for someone to hand you a chance to do a thing, it's never going to happen. So you're going to have to go and find ways to make that happen for you to figure out how I can hone these skills in the position that I'm in. And I don't see how that's bad for the company at all. You know, it's not like you're, you're, you're stealing from them or anything. You're generating more value, which is good. So I wouldn't tiptoe around it. I would, you know, if you want to talk to your boss or whoever you work through or with, it's like, Hey, I'm trying to expand some of my skills in this area. 
and I, I'd like to start doing this. I found some areas where I can do it myself, but if you can think of anything else, that would be really cool. Yep. I don't know if anybody would be like, no, we actually want you to not do more. Yep. And, and be diverse. I love what uh, Kenya, I know I'm, I'm trying not to be diverted from Josh and I've talked and I'm easily, I, I have shiny object syndrome. So, <laughs> so when I see comments, I'm like squirrel, squirrel. Yes. He's part so, dog. I am part dog. So, but uh, Kenya said two things that I want to highlight. Part of this entry for this episode is who is your customer? I think that's that's important part of the why. Start targeting, envisioning who your customer is. Actually, these experiments can help. Is my customer teams? Is my and I, again agile? I'm just staying in this agile bubble, but it can go to other disciplines. Uh, but if teams, do I enjoy coaching teams, training teams? Do I enjoy facilitation, and and really experimenting with things and trying to to explore that? Uh, Kendra also Kenya also brought up brought up this notion of entrepreneurship and i think i really that's what i was talking about that's really a term that i want to land in the metacast so think of yourself as an entrepreneur in your current context before you become an entrepreneur and and that it's the same thing it's just your your domain is different your domain is an internal company versus your own or an external view uh but that's that same mindset of looking broadly looking for opportunities to grow yourself looking for opportunities to be playful uh it actually i'm going to disagree a little bit with josh he's like oh you're getting paid for it you may you may actually cheat a little you may actually have to cheat a little bit and what i mean by that is it may not be in your job description you may have to do some tap dancing. You may have to get creative. Bob, you, you know, the, you're the CTO of the company. Why are you training the product owners? Yeah, I, yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, but but I'm helping I'm helping Harry out or, or Sally yeah. out or something like that. So you may you may have to convince people to stretch their comfort zone or their perception. Then do that. Uh, there's also that notion of don't ask for permission, just ask for forgiveness. So just start expanding, uh, consulting with other people in the company. I remember when I, for example, everyone says that I use eye contact as an example, but I remember when Kevin Fitzgerald, our, our uh, VP of sales was looking to be agile. I sort of had this mindset that I'm, I'm consulting with Kevin in sales. One of my drivers, I didn't have the bandwidth actually. And I wanted to say no, but I'm like, you know, he was so darned enthusiastic and he was so darned intentional about it. He was really serious. He, he wanted to, he's a good leader. And, uh, but the other driver for me was, you know, it'll give me exposure to the sales organization. That's a very different kind. So it's going to start stretching my, my experience level across silos and companies. Uh, and that was a good thing. And again, really looking for those, those opportunities. Number one, I am so happy you were the one that attempted to say that word and you nailed it three times. I would have fumbled entrepreneurship uh, <laughs> multiple times. Trying to like entrepreneur is one of my least favorite words because it just doesn't like flow out of my brain. Uh, so job well done there. I do want to go back to knowing your customer there's two types of customers and it can be if you don't think about the second part then you're going to struggle to actually get customers 
yes, your customer that you're helping might be teams or individuals within a scrum team or whatever it is, but you also have to know who's going to sign the check. And you have to understand, is it a VP of engineering? Is it someone on the product side? Is it the CTO? And understanding there and making sure that you can help the team provide the ROI on why they want to bring you in and the value that's there. Like if you just think about the people that I'm going to touch on a daily basis, that's important. But also if you don't have good, good messaging upstream, it's going to be hard to actually close that deal. And there are some customers that I've worked with for like eight months where someone on the team reached out, they're a fan of the podcast they're going through something. They think I'd be a really good fit. And it's like, okay, how, how do we work this through your channels to actually get you to a spot to where they agree, they sign off and they're excited. Uh, That's a, that's a challenge that again, that I figured out along the way that if you, if you can work that angle or talk to somebody that's been there and help discover how to approach that, because you really do have the two customers. You have the ones you're going to help on a daily basis, then you have the one that's writing the check that's paying you and making sure they're fired up and excited and ready to go to have you there. I th- I think that's part of the, the prep that we're talking about in, on the inside is like if you're, let's say you're a, you know, a leader in a company, you're thinking about, you know, you're a manager, you're a you know, senior coach or whatever. Well, you want to look in the mirror and say, am I, like the last thing you want to do is is think about starting your company if you can't talk to your current CEO and make it if you can't make a business case inside then yeah. please don't please don't go outside if you can't navigate different senior level perspectives like talk to the CFO talk to the CTO talk to the COO if you can't navigate those silos if you can't navigate those different lenses i'm not saying perfectly do it but if you can't convince them of something inside, you're probably not going to sell yourself outside so much. So, but the, the, the good news is practice that, mm-hmm. right? You're you're in it. You're in a you're in a role now, uh, and and again, think about it. This is going to benefit you if you stay. You're going to be you're going to be promotable. You're going to have more influence if you're working on this stuff. But really, actively doing it. Like you're building, you're building, you're, you're this entrepreneur, you're building this view. Part of it's branding, but part of it is almost you're building a small, think of it as I'm building a company, right? I'm building this independent and how am I, how am I going to do that? But Josh nailed it. You, you don't, it, I think there is a, a failure pattern where, you know, people, they get excited at a, um, you know, coaching teams. Someone wants to coach teams. And they're good at it, but they don't look, they don't look at themselves and ask about that, that higher level ability to communicate, the ability to sail, the ability to connect the dots between those folks in the team, the ability to influence up. It's all part of it. That's one of the dangers of becoming a team. Some people are like, I really love team coaching. And, and I, I like it when they have that identity. And sometimes I wonder though, are they so focused on the team that they really are not growing their ability to organizationally coach? You can be a team coach, but I think you have to be able to navigate the organization. Yeah. Not I think. You have to be able to navigate the organization. So, And you can't have that as a weakness. You'll be ineffective. And it's not like there's no secrets. 
It's just understanding what's important to that role. The CFO, I want to make sure the money we're spending, there's a return on it, that it makes sense. How is this going to help us do X, Y, Z? The COO, how is this going to make us more effective operationally? Like, are we going to be able to do things with less errors or faster or whatever? Can we be more confident with how we ship our ship our software? And CEO basically is going to look at those two folks and say like, okay, we have that and this is going to help us do X, Y, and Z. Check, let's do it. Because most of the time to finalize the deal, there's a, there's a Zoom meeting, a Google Hangout, a phone call in person with those roles because they want to look you in the eye, understand what's going on. Uh, Stephen put, put, put a note in there to making sure that there's expectations that are aligned with the person that's signing the check. Big surprise. It's just like building a product. Those are your stakeholders. How do you educate them? How do you demo the progress? How do you do all of those things? So you're already trained in ways to be aligned and to stay in that manner with them. You just have to apply the patterns and practices that you use as an agile leader, just apply it to that same thing. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's using the things that you're good at to right. help you navigate a different product. And that product is you. I love, you say this often and not to, you know, in the last few years, Josh, but you talk about having a product view to yourself. And, and I don't know if I lean into that mentally as much as I should be, but it's really, a, I think it's a good metaphor of looking, you know, when we look, you're a product, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee, whatever you are, I, I think it's the right mindset to consider yourself, you know, a product. And are you getting obsolete? And are you developing it? And what value are you bringing? And understand your customers. And that has, you know, what the shifts are doing, et cetera. I wanted to talk about empathy too for your customer. Mm. And just, you know, it's, and it's going to help you as an intra-entrepreneur is it's not just understanding them but it's uh, walking in their shoes. It's real important, I think, to walk in their shoes and to understand the problems they're having. So you're, you need to come in and you need to make their lives better, not just, again, you could be a team-level coach, but what are you doing to connect to leaders' challenges and to the organizational challenges and providing value? And it's not just talk about those things. It's it's like deeper understanding of what it is. They may not even be aware of things. You're observing things. And like psychological safety, you may be looking at it. They're not creating a psychologically safe environment. So they're not aware of that. But but you have empathy and you have awareness of that. But you also have empathy as to why they're not doing that and then approaching them on that. So any opportunities you have of walking in your potential customer's shoes and, and like shut up looking at it from the, one of the mistakes that team coaches make is they, they, their lens of the world is always from the team. So I'm for the team and I'm against the leaders or I'm for the team and I'm against the organization. What I'm suggesting as you're moving in this journey is you need to be able to take the opposite point of view. You need to be multivariant in your perspectives, right? And 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 using empathy for that, and building that. That takes time to build that. Again, there's no. I don't have a recipe, so don't ask me for an algorithm. But you'll know it if you're if you're working on that. 
Josh, yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to switch to budgeting soon, but I. Yeah, I want to. Let me I wanna, wrap up this last point. One of the more successful customers that I've ever worked worked with, they they viewed the reason they were paying me a pretty sizable amount of money was pattern recognition, because I had done this thing that they hadn't done. And they wanted to make fewer mistakes, right? There was no promise that, hey, I'm going to come in and give you all the answers and you're and you're never going to stub, stub your toe. No. But they knew the value of if Josh, having done this N number of times, can come in and look at what we're doing and help us sidestep a couple of problems, yep. the money that we would spend discovering we have that problem and then fixing the problem is really yep. sizable. And then you... Multiply that times the number of areas that you can help out. So think about those patterns that you find yourself recognizing. Yep. That's that special thing that you can bring and you can start to wrap around understanding who the customers really are for that, understanding the value that you bring. Again, I didn't, I didn't think of that. It's just as I was talking with them, they kept using that phrase. I was like, ah, okay. So this is a pattern that's working for them. And I started applying it to other customers and it really started to sink in. Okay. Well, no, I want to. Oh, okay. Uh, you inspired me, Josh. I do that uh, all the time. I, I know the term that popped into my head is playbook. Mm. And this is not, I detest external playbooks for consultants. Uh, meaning this is my playbook. So for every client, I'm going to follow the mm. playbook, right? I, I, so so i have a yeah. single recipe i'm a one-trick pony that's so don't fall into that trap but having a journal and jotting down as again this is part of this as you're this entrepreneur and you're and you're gaining your experience jot it down uh capture like josh said capture those patterns ca capture those solution patterns to problem patterns organizational patterns and jot them down start creating your playbook for yourself. This is my playbook. I'm not going to share it with anyone. This is just my sort of consulting, consultative playbook. You might even put things in, take a journaling view. What was I weak at? Right? Where are my strengths emerging? I'm good at this. Oh, you know what? Lesson learned. I need to work on this. I need to work on communicating my language. I need to learn. I need to learn to speak in different, use different words, different terms for different people in the organization. When I'm talking to teams, I'll use more agile terms. When I'm talking to execs, I need to get rid of the agile. Note to self, stop talking agile gobbledygook to C-level execs. I need to work on that. And put that in your playbook. Agreed. Uh, All right. So now, um, you ready? Now, switching gears, everyone. Okay. And this is a boring... This is a boring thing. Everyone uh, wants to... don't you can't pre-label it like that. We can't have yeah. people tune out. Like, or it's this is, tactical. This is, right, this is important. Right. This is an important thing that you're not thinking of that Bob is going to help you not a, a pattern recognition again from Bob, your your consultant here. He's here to give you the answers you don't know you need. Yeah. That I didn't know I needed. So everyone, you're not going to you're not going to escape. You're not going to leave. You're not going to become an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur or independent. You're not going to become independent if you don't have a baseline of finances to do that. Uh, you need you need something, uh, and and so it magic doesn't happen. 
it's like people, you know, I want you to, so don't just trust me, go out and read about folks who are starting companies who are self-funding companies. What do they do? They mortgage the house. They have savings. They approach family members. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying you have to do all of those things, but you need, you need a buffer. You need to start building a buffer. If you have a thought that you'd like to go into this, this path today, today you have to start establishing a budget and a buffer. Um, now it's not just income. You can actually do budgeting. Um, I'll, 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 I'll throw myself under the bus. I don't budget. And one of the problems is I, this is not hubris, but I've made a, you know, I, I have a lot of income. So I'm like, I don't need to budget. Well, then like a moron, what I do because I'm not budgeting is I waste a lot of money. I spent, I have an incredible amount of waste. Potato heads. I've overpurchased potato heads. I've overpurchased stuff. Uh, and I really have wasted it. And if I if I brought a budget into play uh, thoughtfully, there there would be a lot of funds that I could have, you know, sort of funneled off to savings. Now I do have a buffer as well. But my point is, as your income is lower, or family, or depending on your financial situation, so you could do efficiency, and then take those funds and create a buffer, or you can take things like a bonus that you get at work and put it instead of taking that vacation to Greece, which is probably not a good idea right now, uh, depending on fire season or other places, then funnel it into your buffer and start, start slowly create or quickly creating that uh, and be intentional about it. it you're not going to get, things are not going to get handed to you in your lap. You have to, I guess what I'm saying is you have to work for it. And there's a financial aspect of working for it. And just be relentless. Uh, so Josh, there's a term nowadays. Uh, is it fu money or something like yeah. that? They, yeah. Right. And and I don't necessarily like that terminology, but it but it's the same point of you know sometimes sometimes people are are handcuffed. They feel like they're handcuffed to their company. And one of the reasons, the primary reason they're handcuffed, well, fear. But then there's the financial aspect of that. Uh, and start and and. And measure your buffer in the number of months of independence, if that makes sense of everyone. So what what is your buffer? And I, I don't think, you know, a week is probably not a good idea. And you don't necessarily have to have a year or two. That would be nice. But something in there, and it's all unique. It's not, there is no, you know, don't do my buffer. Do your own buffer. Josh, react to that a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned before Bob started talking, this is not something I did well. I got caught off guard and luckily had savings from various things that it wasn't intentionally set aside for this. It was set aside for other things. But I chose to use those funds to help me build this opportunity that I had forced upon me. You know, there there was a lunch that I went to with Bob where he said, Josh, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. And he was 100% right. I wasn't as financially stable as I wanted to, but I knew that if I didn't do it, then it wasn't going to happen. And again, luckily I had some savings that gave me like two months and it got down to the last week of 
the money I had saved. And even we took some of the savings from my wife's retirement plan to help us live in that last month. And I had a real discussion with her and said, if I don't get this gig by Friday, then it's over. And I got to go, like, if I have to go, you know, work a fast food restaurant or whatever it is, like, this is the end. And I understood that. And luckily or not luckily, everything paid off. Finally, some combination of hard work and luck landed my, my first job. And that gave me an extended runway, but it still was relatively short. So I had to keep working on that. Uh, so, so yeah, this was, this is, again, this is the thing that as Bob said earlier, if you're even toying with the idea of doing this, start doing it now, start putting a little bit away, setting a little bit aside so that when the opportunity presents itself, you can then take action. If you wait until it presents itself, like it did to me, and I was caught off guard and wasn't ready, then life's going to be a lot harder. And it was. There's some creative things. Steve, Steve had talked about an idea of uh, starting to do small coaching or consulting gigs while you have a day job. That's a perfect example of a creative way to do that. And then don't immediately spend it. This is gravy money. So what do you do with it? You can put it in your buffer um, and do something like that. What if you get a raise next year? You get a 3% or a 5% raise. Okay, you've been mod- you know, you've been moderating at this level. Well, then don't spend the raise funnel it into your into your buffer account uh you don't have to leave i mean it's a good idea in general this is a good strategy this is a risk mitigation strategy in general you get a small bonus throw it in there uh you get anything right uh something personally you win you win a little lottery check you just start redirecting funds into your buffer uh sometimes big sometimes small the other thing is you can look for events on the horizon right? I'm going to get a five-year larger bonus. I'm going to get a 10-year bonus uh, or or whatever, a, re- a retention bonus uh, that you get by, you know, you could negotiate a retention bonus uh, if circumstances in the company are around that. So look, look for that uh, as part of an exit. Can I get some extra comp on an exit? I don't think this happens overnight. I think you get relentless and I don't think, I think there's a lot of opportunities that you can mine around uh, to start building your buffer, but you got, you have to do something like that. Uh, I'll I'll tell a story. Uh, There was a young man, I forget his name on LinkedIn and uh, sometimes consultants or speakers at conferences, we can be too influential. We can be too bullish. And he attended, I think the scrum gathering in Europe this year or last year. And you know, there's a lot of Bob Galen types and people, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do this and uh, yeah, you go invest. And I saw, and he came back from the conference and he was all jazzed up. Yes, I want to be an independent. So he came back and the poor bloke and he quit his job. He had nobody, he had, he had nothing. He was just jazzed up. Uh, shame on people at the conference. You should have talked him down from the ledge. Uh, uh, but he came back and immediately quit his job. And then he sent this little... I mean, my heart went out to him. I I, resp- I I sent him an email offline just talking him through it. Uh, and he sent this little thing out, uh, you know, 
I'm really proud of myself. I quit my job. And then does anyone have any work for me? <laughs> and he was like, his hands were out and saying, please. Uh, I don't think he immediately got stuff, but then I think he did survive. But that's probably not the best strategy is that. I mean, it's bold. It's courageous. It could it could work out for you. Uh, but I'm saying, you know, part of this series is to be a little bit more intentional and a little bit more thoughtful about it. And a key point that you're going to have to understand about yourself is what your risk tolerance is. There are some people that might be all over that and that high risk forces them into a situation where maybe they operate well. And the, I don't have a choice, I have to do this or else all else fails, that that might be a thing that some people, probably not a large portion of the population, can work in that manner. But understand your risk. And Kenya talked about how her and her husband came to a number, like a number of months that they were comfortable with. So be thoughtful about you or you and your family and understand what your risk tolerance is and understand what the risk tolerance is of your partner. If that's a thing of understanding, right? Like, are you going to make things very uncomfortable uh, after the first month of, of things and maybe not finding that first gig yet or whatever the yep. challenges are, because there are going to be challenges. So definitely spend time understanding and then respond accordingly. Now, if you recognize that your risk tolerance is low, then yep. you're going to probably need to be a little bit more. Now look at yourself again. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about, it, it comes back to consider yourself a company, right? So you're starting up a company. You're not going to go into a bank and get financing. If you, you know, just based on my good looks and my hat and my suspenders, uh, you know, I hate to tell you, but you're not, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to have some game plan, some horizon planning, some customer identification, some projections, some data, maybe some part-time data. It's that same thing. So you're actually increasing your skills, your financial, you're, you're being a COO, CFO for yourself. That's what we're really talking about. Uh, you could do things like just reserve a credit card and have, you know, so a line of credit, i.e. have a credit card. It, it doesn't always have to be cash. It has to be cognizant of what is my financial business plan uh, from going from where am I at now to where I want to be. And it can't just be hand-waving. Uh, what is my risk tolerance? Uh, but not just me personally. Remember, you have, consider this view of you have stockholders, at least your significant other. <laughs> so you're, you you want to be you want to be navigating that with within your your family. You want to be you know sort of talking about that. I I think that covers the startup stuff we wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, let me. I just want to throw myself under the bus. Bob talked about getting those little consulting jobs along the way while you're in your steady current job. I cannot count the number of times Bob urged me to do that in the early 2010s because he saw the direction I was going and he's like, you need to start doing this. You should do this. And he even fed some towards me. I was super lucky that there was a guy who's like, here, here's one. You could like fall into it. Uh, and I didn't do a good enough job doing that. And we're going to talk about branding in part two and how that will help you start to create the branding you need 
to really launch yourself as a product slash brand? I, I absolutely, I, I mean, and there are things there to do. Oh, one thing I was really quickly thinking about, I think you did this at the do Josh. The other, th the other thing is reaching out to reach in. Uh, so one of the things I used to do at channel advisor when I was there and it's actually, I'm, I, I had someone reach out to me recently that I can connect back to like 15 years ago when I did tours. So I invited companies who were interested in looking at agile teams into my place with no fanfare. It was just like, sure, we'll give you a tour. You can, you can, I was proud of my teams. I was proud of my job and I was proud of the teams and come on in uh, and things like that. So that's another area. It's not, it's not necessarily driving buffer, but it's driving that, that's sort of the brand awareness, not brand awareness, but your your focus awareness, and and it, you're building your brand, you're building sort of the you know geographical awareness, and connecting to people. Uh, you could charge for it. Uh, the other thing is you don't always have to charge cash. You can have people redirect things just to get comfortable. Like nowadays, sometimes when people ask me, I I did a talk for Bloomberg, Josh. So here's a quick story. I did a, I did a, a like a, a virtual keynote for Bloomberg in New York about coaching. And uh, in my, in my epiphany, I'm like, I want you, if you, if you're going to give me money, uh, I'd like you to give it to uh, second chance pets in, uh, in Raleigh. Um, and they, we hadn't negotiated the amount. And so I'm, and I like doing that over the years I've done that. So give, you know, give funds here. Um, well, they gave $2,500, Josh, to Second Chance. And it caused me to have like a second, I'm like, hmm, I, maybe, I maybe I should have been cheaper and redirected that. And it, and it was kind of, it was kind of cool. But my point is, it's not, these are just get really creative and weird about handling funding early the earlier you do that stuff buffers finances projections etc some part-time gigs think about you're you're negotiating a contract with someone it's a little part-time thing well you're you're doing contract negotiation you're getting some practice with that yep okay Are so we, we talked through we the done? things yeah 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 i feel like the fork is ready we talked through things about how you get to the point where you're ready to go next episode Part two. Part two. Part two. Uh, so we're in eh. And I love this. I, this, Josh and I, everyone, when we prep these things, I'm like in in French numeric mode. It uh, just makes me happy. I don't know why. It is yeah. the worst. Uh, and so next is going to be centered around branding and branding. those types of things. And then we'll see where things go after that. So I would, I don't. I was thinking about this. I don't think I've ever suggested people go back and listen. This might be one worth listening to twice. And for those of you that are out there, it's probably worth going to the YouTube and seeing the comments that scroll by, by folks that are watching this live. Cause there's some good thoughts and ideas for you to gather those little tidbits to empower you to be ready to hit the go button. I absolutely agreed real quickly. I want to extend everyone. So here's, here's our agenda, and I'm, the reason I'm sharing it is for feedback, and we have various feedback. So today's episode was starting. Uh, the second part, duh, is building your brand, your network, your skills, your services, thinking about extending from today. 
part three, part trois, is kicking things off. Are you ready? Having a readiness assessment. What's the announcement? Handling clients. Negotiating. We touched on some of that today. And then part catch. I'm sorry. I Oh, that's tough. Part is keeping it going. So what does it look like after you've started? Like, how do you keep the momentum going? What if you hit a dip? What to what to redo? Uh, managing your buffer along the way. All right, that's that's something you're probably maintaining. So that's what we're envisioning is a four-part exercise. We're not stuck on it. So we would love your feedback if that's relevant or not. All right? Hey, so from beautiful downtown, Cary, North Carolina. <laughs> and from beautiful downtown, Fugue Arena, North Carolina, with no accent. I'm Roberto Gallini. <laughs> I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. <laughs> Take care, y'all. <laughs>